Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Tom Wright, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. We've just been chatting before uh, pressing record, and I think there's a, a few Uh, things around leadership and and around um, Dr. Wright's story that are going to be really profound for us to to chat about. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Jonathan. Thank you. And uh, I guess first off, uh, Tom, it'd be great if you could give our listeners a bit of a window into into who you are, what you're doing at the moment, your role, uh, the organization, et cetera. Absolutely. So I have been in the senior living industry for over 25 years and I am currently serving in Mechanicsville, Virginia, at a place called Covenant Woods. And we have a 138-year-old history of serving elders in our community. And I'm been, I've been privileged to join them uh, the past six months to continue to lead their mission uh, in the Richmond area. Yeah, uh, fantastic. And uh, the the thing I always love hearing in these chats is a bit of a bit of your story. So tell us, you know, feel free to go back as far as you'd like. Some of those moments along the way that have really shaped you becoming the leader you are today, Tom. Yeah, I'm going to take it back to the age of five, actually, um, and that's when my maternal grandmother moved in with us. Um, in my family, we come from an Italian family, and kind of the the way of serving others is to surround them in their Uh, elder years. And so she came to live with us at the age of five and she did not speak any English and I didn't speak any Italian. Um, But we shared this language of love somehow through food and just watching funny shows on TV, cartoons and so forth. Um, And I really learned at her feet um, this essence of love, give and take, intergenerational support, um, what it meant to be of service to her when I couldn't even understand what she was saying, but I, I understood her needs. And so that really inspired me to pursue not only a minor in Italian, so I could later on in life understand the Italian language as part of my heritage, um, but also to uh, be inspired to serve elders um, as I grew up. So at an early age, I was called, I believe, to serve seniors. Um, and that's been the trajectory of my life um, through my uh, studies as well as my practice. And I've been a consultant as well as an operator um, around the country for senior living communities. And it's, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, and there's been a common thread of service uh, to others. And so my journey from leadership first began as how will I make money in this world uh, through my calling to really the essence of understanding that it's not about that. It's really about raising other people up uh, to be the best person that they can be, the best version, uh, to work with organizations and its people to really serve its mission well, to define its mission, and then to continue serving it um, through servant leadership. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I love your calling and your passion in this area. I, uh, I also love hearing um, that you uh, that you come from an Italian family because I, I have married into a Greek family, so not the same. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the joys of my life has been uh, has been marrying into a Greek family, and and uh, I love that. Uh, I, I really love that Greek uh, culture, which I think has some real similarities to the Italian culture. That definitely does. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to know why that story um, about your grandmother stands out to you so much. I mean, you were five. She came to to move in with you. What What is it about that that time, how she could only speak Italian, you couldn't speak any Italian? What, what was it that, that brings that to mind as a really significant moment in your life, Tom? I think primarily because I understood then what my purpose was, um, where my comfort zone was, and who in this world I was called to look out for and to be an advocate for, and just generally who I enjoyed spending time with. Um, and you know, my whole career and life has been replete with stories of just spending quiet moments listening to elders tell their stories to serving them cups of coffee and just, you know, holding their hands in times of real trial, um, times of reckoning with uh, life and relationships. And so for me, just it, it re I recall that every time I'm with an elder uh, sort of in relationship to be in perspective of my place and their place and honoring who they are. So I think that for me was just an outside of the body experience almost to understand my place and without really understanding what that meant for me at the age of five and the calling on my life, what that meant. Um, but to understand that here was a connection um, that I, I naturally had and wanted to cultivate. Yeah, it's so, it's so beautiful. And it's something uh, that's why I'm so excited to chat with you around, um, around what your around leadership, but where it intersects with your, um, you know, the, the intersection between leadership and your calling and your passion to, to care for elders is, I think, something that in our society, I think there's a lot of room to, uh, to improve how we do that. As you, as you started out in your leadership, like you said, when you were younger and thinking, how can I, firstly, how can I just make money, you know, from my calling and just be able to, you know, and, and then that really matured into a, wow, actually, no, it's really about something deeper. Uh, there's, there's more to it than just that. Are there any moments that come to mind from your, you know, uh, those earlier years that were really pivotal moments as a leader or maybe pivotal moments where you watched another leader handle something exceptionally well or you saw the, you know, the wake and the legacy of, of, of a leader uh, doing something really poorly? Are there, are there any moments that come to mind when you were sort of first starting out uh, as a leader that were like that? I think when I first started out, I was handed a lot of responsibility at a very young age. Um, I was 16 and I was put in charge of a catering company for the summer, <laughs> several summers in a row. And I was kind of surprised as to why they would hand the reins of this division uh, from a country club, why they would give that to me. And I didn't really understand it, but I accepted it. I thought it was pretty cool and I had a lot of fun and I had a small team and we did some great work. and. Um, what I found through that experience was that I was able to connect not only with customers and how much I love customer service, 
um, and therefore serving others, but also the staff that I worked with, many of whom were much older than I was. I was only 16. Um, and really connecting at that level and having uh, the camaraderie, camaraderie, the teamwork, um, being able to produce on a daily basis in high volume uh, during a tourist season up, up in Massachusetts. And um, I, I felt again that 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 was just a natural um but i didn't understand why i was being asked to be the the leader in that group and that kept happening over and over uh, but the more experience i had and the more leadership opportunities i had at higher levels um even post-college um, i realized that there were areas in which i was not necessarily lacking but in which i would fail um, over and over and it was hard for me to understand that failure and but as a self-reflective self person which is one of the key qualities of servant leadership um there's the, the component of humility and then in leader sometimes that element of hubris like it's all about me and i look what i've done um, but in these moments of failure that's when i really learn the most to be self-reflective to understand the situation um, in which i failed and also to understand who I needed to reach out to, to continue learning. Um, and a lot of my learning really came at a formal level. Um, mm. And that was through education, but then it also came through experience. And I did have glimpses of some leaders um, in the industry um, who were successful, who modeled this you know, sense of servant leadership. Um, but I would also see the flawed components of humanity through leadership and where leaders have failed. And so the majority of my work has been to come behind other leaders uh, who perhaps lost their way or didn't have it. Um, and I've, I've been called to either turn around communities or help reposition communities that have been either through a trauma, a crisis, or just misdirected towards their mission. Mm. Um, so I really think for me, the model and the example were my failures. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's so true. Uh, and how often it works like that. Are there any are there any failures that come to mind as particularly? Uh, you know, you remember just that particular moment going ah, it was like a penny dropped, and you realized you needed to get help with a particular uh, part of your leadership or any of those moments. I know it's not always nice to reflect on on failures, but like you said, they're, they're usually our biggest learnings. Anything that that stands out? Um, in one one component, it was really all about showing up and being present. As a lifelong introvert, I've had to learn how to be extroverted, uh, not only for um, the sake of the work, but for the people around me. Um, and I really had to learn to show up. And I found in some of those cases, I wasn't showing up as often or in the ways that the organization needed me to show up. Um, mm. I also needed some more strengthening on the finance side. You know, that was something I've cultivated over the past probably eight years uh, to really learn more about finance. It doesn't come naturally to me. That's not how my mind works. Um, but I appreciate um, the minds of others who can really think through um, the financial trajectories and, and projections of an organization and, and the decisions that are founded upon that. So I needed more financial um, uh, education. And then I also needed to learn a little bit more about showing up. And there are many times that I showed up, but there were some times that I, I didn't show up at the right time. 
Um, and I, I would sort of self-flagellate myself and say, well, why didn't I show up? Mm. Well, part of that was um, really has to do with being an introvert. Yep. Um, but being a leader, you don't have that opportunity <laughs> to, to really withdraw. You really have to show up. And, and those were early lessons um, years ago that I learned um, and how important that is to show up. I, I think that's such a profound thought and you're definitely not the first leader on the podcast to talk about being present and, and showing up. What have you learned? What advice would you give to a, an introverted leader out there who's going, Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's me. I'm introverted, but I thought that was just, you know, I, I just didn't have to do that as an introvert. What advice would you give to show up at the right times? What have you learned? Um, well, the first is to get over yourself. I'm a proud card carrying member of that. Get over yourself. Um, <laughs> and then just, you know, fulfill your role. People need to see the leader um, when there's a time of crisis or just in general, just to really be seen and be among, you know, those that you serve. And that can't happen from an office uh, or be behind a telephone. And mm. so just really being out and about and open to relationship and being vulnerable. I think that's a big key to, to leadership and strong leadership is the ability to be vulnerable. Um, and to know that through experience, I think, yeah, you'll, you'll go through these experiences and understand on the other side of that, it's not that bad. Um, and, and that only comes over time for those of us who feel a little more withdrawn or need to withdraw a little bit more yeah. than others, um, is to just show up and get over yourself and be there for the people that you need to serve. Um, and putting putting others first is really a great way to overcome that. Um, because if you truly are called in servant leadership, then that means it's not about you and it never has been. It's always about the other uh, people and the organization, so. Have you always felt like servant leadership came naturally to you or is it something where you had that penny drop sort of moment and you had to really lean into it? For me, it's always come quite naturally. Um, I've always found ways to serve others and to be a helper and just to be looking out for other people's interests and their needs. Uh, I seem to have this attraction towards those who need advocacy, whether that's people living with dementia uh, or people with special needs and uh, just people who seem marginalized in society or just around me in a circumstance or situation, I will gravitate towards uh, those folks. And, and although I may be feeling shy or reticent or whatever as my natural state, um, I really feel like I have to, I overcome that and am drawn to being a helper mm. and to serving others. And so I'm more comfortable in a service role. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting component to leadership. And when yeah. you're the person in, in front of everyone and in charge and leading the way and setting the vision and, and the mission and giving direction, um, it, it's sort of a juxtaposition, but the overarching theme is service. And so reminding oneself of that um, yeah. helps overcome some of those other inadequacies, if you will, that you might feel. Yeah. I, in, in an earlier episode of the podcast, Mark Plitzer-White, who heads up a really unique group of chartered schools, uh, talked about being a guide from the side and this idea of, of realizing as a leader that you're, you're, not, you're not there for your team to 
to help you do what you need to do. You're really there to get alongside them and and help them and ultimately get alongside the the people that you're that you're serving for them, students and the community, but uh, for you, elders and and the community. And uh, I, I love uh, your passion for servant leadership. I know this is a bit of a hard to define question, and you've already talked a little bit about it. But what does servant leadership look like? What is it? What does that feel like to you for those leaders who are leaning in and listening and going, I, I want that. I want to be, I want to learn how to be a servant leader. What does that look like? So for me, service really starts by being humble. So humility is one of the key qualities of servant leadership, you know, as defined by Robert Greenleaf and the servant as leader, uh, which was foundational work for me. Um, having that sense of place. And I, I guess that goes back to my relationship with my grandmother. You might say child to grandparent, but it's uh, that understanding that right relationship in in business and as a leader that you are you come with humility first. Um, servant leadership also requires a great deal of foresight. And that's a lot of the work that I did through my doctoral work and my research was how does foresight show up in a community an organization um, at the governance level and what influence does that have or not have on the entire trajectory of the organization, the culture, the level of engagement, satisfaction of staff and the consumer, um, and ultimately the financial goals that kind of lead from that. So having foresight to me is really key. Um, being able to keep your eyes on the, the horizon while still being mindful of what's in front of you, um, I think is also elemental to uh, servant leadership and the sense of ethics. I mean, I think that for me, that really goes back to my roots of faith mm -hmm. um, and calling myself to make sure that I'm, I'm behaving in the most ethical manner possible. And I do approach organizations from that perspective as well. That is yeah. to say that I look at their mission and how ethically are they serving their mission? Do they understand their mission? Um, are there elements of it in which needs you know needs more work uh, or to be called out to say you're not serving this part of your mission as you define it um, in this way and can we work on that together? So helping those that I serve become the best version of themselves and to enhance their moral reasoning around decision making, particularly in healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, that has a strong component of, you know, the ethical reasoning behind advocacy and how we serve and care for elders um, is, a, is a huge piece. Um, and so I think the ethical component is really key as well. And then stewardship. I mean, stewardship of resources, stewardship of the, the people that you're working with and serving, of their time, uh, their goals, um, just being a good steward of the time that you have as leader is also fundamental. And then ultimately creating value for the community. And that's the community we serve, but also the greater community. So finding ways to connect organizations as a servant leader to others in the community who might want to be or need to be served as well in similar ways uh, through services or program that you might offer, uh, which we do at Covenant Woods. We, we try to connect ourselves to the greater community to be part of that. Um, so that the mission really extends beyond the walls of the organization. Yeah, that's a fascinating link between servant leadership and foresight. Uh, your doctorate sounds like a really interesting 
that that sound I find that really fascinating. I know I, I love this sort of stuff. Um, uh, what was what was the or what were the I, I guess the key learnings from your doctorate um, that that came out of that Tom? Uh, what I found in studying several organizations was that they were unaware of how little they looked ahead uh, to the future and how much they focus on the past as the way forward, which was not necessarily the right way to approach their business decisions and their strategic planning, et cetera. Um, and so what I found is that organizations were highly focused on the past and then not wanting to change the present, but really not lifting their eyes up too far to the future. Or sometimes they looked so far ahead, but didn't have a plan in terms of um, the shifts in the industry. They didn't understand that they needed to respond to the you know, the signals that were being sent by consumers or the market um, and often found themselves in places that they really didn't want to be, that I'm sure they didn't intend to be. Um, but there were very few people in the organization that had foresight. I did find that often the CEO or the chair of the board had the greater um, part of foresight. They were the ones who were had a, had a great deal of foresight because they, they set the vision. But that was really difficult to uh, cultivate as a board or as a management team. It really didn't go deep into the organization until um, we started to interact with folks who were really on the front lines. And I found that they had far more foresight than sometimes the leaders did. Really? And that was interesting because these were folks who were closer to the work, I think, closer to serving the mission on a day-to-day -day basis with real people mm. and also understood the, the changes that were happening in the industry writ large. And I'm talking about senior living, yes. um, but I, I'm sure this could apply to other organizations and, and sectors um, that the people doing the work held often the key to the signals that, that would force or encourage change. Um, and really keep the organization moving forward in the best way. And I often found that the boards or, or leadership team would sometimes stymie that or, or suffocate that creativity and innovation that wanted to, to happen um, through foresight. Um, and, and it just was not as prevalent at the top level as it was um, at other levels within the organization. So that was interesting to me. Yeah, that's very interesting. Did you come across anything or do you have any thoughts on, uh, say, there's a leader listening going, mm, okay, I thought, I think I have a really clear vision and, and, and foresight, but I, I don't know if I've been engaging my people on the front, on the front line. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how to do that well? What does that look like for a leader to really engage them well in that space? So I try to do what I would encourage leaders to do is, you know, really have some small intimate gatherings with your staff and just have some open-ended questions or just be open to their questions about the organization. And I think transparency is really key to help everyone in the organization understand the financial health, the missional health, um, the goals and strategies, but then perhaps the vision. And, you know, I would say, you know, kind of dreaming the great dreams. How do we do that together? So I, you know, I tend to gather small groups of staff with or without their managers, leaders, oftentimes without, and 
have these moments, what I call the keep it real tour, you know, just sit down, let's relax over coffee and let's just start talking about where you're at. You know, how do you feel about the work that you do? What can we do to improve? And, um, you know, I think it take, it requires a lot of time, especially in large organizations uh, like the ones I've been involved with, but it really, those, there's the gold nuggets, you know, when you're, you're looking for some answers and some foresight, you can only think of so much. And so, you know, why not share with the people who are helping your business to be a success and to build your business and to be your brand and to be your best customer service agents out there? Why not engage them? And so spend, uh, spending time to engage your staff is really key. Yeah. And I think you've articulated it well that it, it is a significant time investment, but the payoff and the just there's there's so much that is there's so much for a leader that's a win by getting out there into the into the front line and just spending time with your people i was talking with a leader recently who who talked about it like you know it's just one it's just one person at a time they're going through a big sort of transformation and there's lots of big vision strategic things happening that are that are really intense but one thing that they're also doing is uh, meeting with just one, just just thinking of like one person at a time, just getting getting face to face with them, spending that time with them. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a one on one, like you said. You know, meet in a group. But I think we underestimate something so simple as walking the walking the floor um, and actually getting out there and spending time with your people, and how much it can have a profound impact on culture and also what it feeds into you and your own thoughts and strategies that you then take back to the management team. Absolutely. And, you know, it's all about winning the hearts and minds of, and the souls of, of your employees. Um, they, they joined you for a reason and some reasons they may not even know, but I'm always about the business of cultivating what their interest is and, and their growth. So their professional growth, their personal growth, and really investing in that. And sometimes as leader, you hold the key to understanding what's available and to then make something available for staff. Um, a good example are the scholarships that we offer um, at my current organization. You know, it, it really is about lifting people up and their, their families up, the next generation in terms of investing in education and growth. And that could be just a, a one day seminar. It could be, you know, two year track of an MBA, but um, understanding where people are and helping them get to the next place that they want to be, but then also knowing them enough to see who they really are, the potential that exists within them when mm. they may not even see that. And so that kind of goes back to my initial conversation about my grandmother. I knew what I was called to do, but I didn't understand how that would manifest throughout mm. my life. Yeah. Well, there are some people who just go into the world and they're doing really good work and they feel called to serve others in healthcare and many other sectors uh, just to do some good work. And they don't see their own potential because sometimes they see more barriers to that potential. And so they just resign themselves to that. So, you know, I've been part of many life stories where people have been able to shift and to grow and to feel their full potential, like their worth. And, and that's been worth investing in wherever I go. Really, my prayer is that I will impact at least one person wherever I'm called to be, whatever organization. Now, hopefully it'll be more than that and the organization, but really I'm, I'm, I feel called to be there 
and be present for at least one person. And I don't know who that will be. Um, and oftentimes it's more than one. So I think that's the work of servant leadership as well. It's more than just operating a business and leading a mission and, and all that. It's really investing in the people that you're with and being the hands and feet, you know, as I like to say, the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, being called to where you need to be and where he needs you. Um, that's what I've opened myself to and try to. If only, uh, <laughs> I feel like if, um, if more leaders could lead from that place, that one person at a time being present, wanting to just just make a make a positive impact. Because when when I talk with leaders about what's most significant, it's always it's always stories about the people they've invested in. Yeah, and, and I think that's. If you lose sight of that, you know, that's the, the whole walk around, sort of get over yourself. It's about other people element that looking for that, being intentional um, to look for that throughout the day and the week, particularly during tough times like a pandemic or, yeah. you know, another crisis that might be happening within the community um, or organization. Just taking those intentional walks and being present with people. Um, really shifts the whole dynamic of the day, of the week, of uh, your perspective on the current work that you're doing um, when it gets to be hard. Um, and, and I think you're right. You know, that is, that's the most important component of leadership is developing people and, and just impacting people. And those are the stories that, that you tend to remember um, as you go throughout your, your life and your career. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few yeah. questions for you. Are you ready, Tom? Ready. Let's go. Okay. What is a book that you've gifted to other people quite a lot? Uh, most recently, I've given a book called Crucial Conversations. Yes. It's part of a series and there are workbooks, uh, but Crucial Conversations, I think, are key for leaders to have um, and to understand how to approach them. Uh, in a way that helps a person maintain dignity, really gets to the heart of the issue, and then has some ideas about action plans moving forward to help shift, you know, where that person might be. And and just to be, again, transparent in relation and and to honor that enough to have a crucial conversation. That's really one of the books that, that I've been recommending most. Um, the second book that I often leave with people is called Lead Like Jesus, which is by Ken Blanchard. Uh, yeah. um, who to me is a hero in, you know, in the leadership world. Um, and I've had an opportunity to meet him and spend some time with him. And um, I still recommend his book um, after all these years. Wonderful. Great recommendations. Uh, any great podcasts that you're listening to or other sources right now that you're, you find yourself often reading, watching or listening to? To be honest, uh, not really. Um, I haven't had a lot of time for, for various podcasts. I mean, I do listen on Christian radio you know, to some short podcasts that, that occur there in terms of nurturing the spirit and, and being present uh, through Christ uh, out in the world. Um, so that's important to me. I don't have one in particular. Um, yours, perhaps, will become a new favorite. Um, so yeah, I'll start leading in, in, into your podcast. Um, I tend to get a lot of my information a lot of it comes through industry um, because I'm very focused on senior living, yes. um, but also studying other organizations like Amazon and, um, you know, other organizations and kind of learning some lessons uh, from what they're, they're experiencing. Yeah. Excellent. 
what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of recently? That's a really good question. I think I've been reminded that it's not me, um, that I am a, merely a vessel um, for the work that I do and the service that I, I provide to others, um, that I am insufficient in and of myself, um, but that through my faith um, that I can really kind of step forward um, and allow folks to experience and to hear what not is just my message, but is maybe perhaps what, what comes through me that wants to be heard. Um, and that goes to the crucial conversations as much as it does the cheerleading, you know, the staff and supporting residents that we serve, um, that I myself am not enough, I guess has been the biggest lesson I've learned these days. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What is a time management or productivity tip or a tool or resource that you use? I certainly write down my objectives for the day and mark them off as I go along. I think that's really important to set your intention and also to set your priorities. And yes, other things get filled in, um, but I, I try to you know, at least organize my day early um, to understand this is the work that wants to be done today that needs to be accomplished. And from a time management perspective, I tend to work ahead. So I'm at least a month out in terms of uh, reports that are due to my board uh, or to residents and just, you know, keep working on that so that I don't procrastinate um, and get behind. Yeah, I like that. You've got the daily set your intention and, and, and objectives for the day and tick them off. But then you've got that uh, uh, keeping that month ahead in your uh, clear in, in your uh, in front of you so that it helps you uh, helps you focus. That's a great tip. Uh, what about work life balance? Uh, you know, always an interesting phrase. Do you have any any tips or anything that you found really helpful for you in doing you know work life balance? Well, I think you always have to remember at the end of the day who was there for you. Um, and you know, this came loud and clear through my time of um, battling with cancer uh, for three years, two and a half years. Um, that really, at the end of the day, was my family. Uh, that was there for me. And yes, I had, you know, great friends and, and teammates and, you know, great residents and a, a solid board. But um, really, at the end of the day, it's about family. And so investing in time that you'll never get back. Um, I always tell young leaders, especially with uh, families just starting out, don't miss a moment. Um, and whether that's the first steps or the first day of school, um, looking at colleges, you know, whatever it is, do not miss it. And so I insist on that family first. Um, be applied throughout the organization. And that applies to myself as well. So family first is probably a phrase that you would hear me most often say. Yeah, I love that phrase, family first. That's great. Uh, what is a great piece of advice you've received at some point? Just be yourself. I mean, I think authenticity is really important, um, especially as a leader, that you don't need to put on airs or pretend you know something that you don't or have had a, an experience that you don't or have never had um, and, and be open to learning. So, you know, be yourself and continually learn uh, around you what's available uh, to be learned. Those, that's been some good advice that I've received and try to pass along. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, what's a big struggle or problem that leaders are facing today in, uh, you know, in your sector specifically? Anything you see that's really challenging for leaders in the senior living sector? Um, two things. I mean, competition. So I have a pretty specialized component of senior care, which is called a continuing care retirement community or life plan communities. And those are, we offer full services um, from, you know, independent residential living through hospice. So we have in one campus, a cadre of services that people can age successfully uh, through, but there's a lot of competition. Um, So competition, as always in many businesses, you know, that's a challenge. So how do you differentiate, but more importantly, how do you complement what is being offered to others in the area? So, you know, I see my competitors as allies in, in this industry and serving elders. Um, we all are called to do it, called to do it in different ways. There's a lot of best practices. Um, and I think, you know, it, it bears sharing uh, with other people what your best practice might be and learning from others what theirs is. Um, overall, I think most as many organizations are facing uh, the labor shortage. And really, it's not just a shortage, it's a shift in uh, people finding their priorities in terms of their own work-life balance and their calling. You know, yeah. what is what are they here to do and what do they find meaningful and purposeful? Um, and so we're seeing a great shift from not only hiring people, but implementing artificial intelligence and technologies to help uh, shore up some of the services and, and probably even change uh, the whole experience for our consumers. Uh, through AI, which has been an interesting journey that we're taking um, at Covenant Woods to learn more about that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's really, uh, really interesting. And some of that, like you said, is that would be, I I think some of that hearing that would be very common in other sectors, but there's some really interesting things you've shared there specific to senior living, which is uh, really interesting. Thank you. A movie or TV show that really impacted you? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> this is just my excuse. This question could be uh, my excuse to just get some great recommendations to watch. But while while you're thinking, I always love. Um, uh, you know, for me, it's funny how the things that really impact me because I love leadership, and I'm always chatting with leaders who who love leadership as well. It's funny how the things that you you love, if you think about it, there's often some like for me, Band of Brothers is one of my favorite. Um, mm. All time series, just the and just the team and the and the ch- and the intensity and and the and the grief and the loss and everything they go through together. Just um, I could watch that, uh, you know, again and again and again. It just reminds me. Um, it makes everything I'm going through or facing uh, puts it into perspective for me. So that's just one uh, example. Um, yeah, anything come to mind? Aside from Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of the story of my life. Uh, I like humor. Um, I like yeah. things that, that provide levity, um, but also some reality to life. Uh, so that is not the only answer, but that's the only one I can think of right now. Oh, that's a wonderful <laughs> answer. I think that's great. And I think that's, there's something in that, isn't it? That to be, to be able to really fulfill your mission and do the amazing work you're called to do there's you've got to also, there's that, uh, those other parts of life that, uh, really important as well. So, no, I love that. That's a great answer. <laughs> I won't uh, confess to watching Hallmark movies either. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my uh, my family would love that. My in-laws absolutely love 
uh, a Hallmark movie. So, no, I've got some big fans of Hallmark <laughs> movies um, close to me. Uh, any quotes that, that come to mind that you're particularly fond of uh, for, you know, just one that you, that you might be really fond of around life or leadership? I'm sorry, mate. My, my mind is blank around that one. That's right. It's funny. Sometimes uh, I remember when I was in the last episode, I was chatting with someone and and they said, <laughs> it's uh, sometimes those, sometimes the quotes isn't, it's hard to think of a, an exact quote um, that, that comes from a, a book or an author. I feel like whenever you ask that question, it's like there's a hundred, but they all go out of your, out of your mind. Yeah. Um, but uh, family first is a is a is a good one, and there's probably a few quotes we could pull from this uh, from this episode too, Tom. So, uh, no worries. What is a now? We just talked about this in terms of finding and keeping talent, and how particularly hard it is right now. What's a tip for finding and keeping great talent? I would say first understand if they they're, they're a value match to your organization because you can train you know the technical skills, uh, but you can never really train the values that uh, your organization espouses. So there has to be a value match um, for an individual being hired, and then to retain them, make sure that you show up experiencing those values. So you know making sure that you express everything that you promised uh, that they're expecting from you as a leader and organization, you know, make sure that you, you know, exceed their expectations in, in terms of that. So continue to show up and, and demonstrate those values and reflect them back to that individual. So they know it's still the best place to work, you know, for them. That's amazing advice. Uh, brilliant. Well said. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would it be? seek wise counsel i think it's really important to understand again maybe this is more about humility but understand you you don't and nor will you ever have all the answers and that wise counsel comes from many perspectives it's not only the consumers that you serve but the people you serve alongside um and you know I, if you have someone in your life who can really speak truth to you um, share what you're going through and some of the, the issues you're having. And often they can help find that clarity. For me, that's my wife. Um, she is just abundantly clear in how she sees situations. And yeah. it's often, you know, the person I go to, uh, to talk through some of the, the issues I might be facing and decisions I have to make. Um, and so leaning in, you know, with others and allowing others to lean into you, I think is important and having a peer network. I think is really important as well. Yeah, that's that is great advice, particularly for young leaders. I think that's that's really, uh, if there are young leaders listening and they're wondering what's one thing I can really go and and do, you know, outside of my sort of day to day work. I think that that's excellent advice. Seek wise counsel and the peer to peer network. Find some people who are who share the same passion um, to to you know to be able to do life with as well. What is the best thing you're doing at the moment at Covenant Woods? And maybe it's some of the AI you mentioned, but maybe something else um, that other leaders should know about. You know, anything that you're doing where you've gone, oh, this has just been really great. Oh, thank you. Um, some of the best things that we're doing right now is exploring uh, best practices to serve people with dementia. 
Uh, we're transforming not only the programs and services, but the environment in which that occurs at Covenant Woods. Um, you know, I feel like if you can serve the folks who need the most um, profound advocacy the best, then the rest, you know, will fall into place. And so yeah. when I arrived, uh, we started to really look at the whole picture of the organization and realize that there are ways that we can improve and some pretty exciting initiatives that are um, starting even today, later on today, uh, through conversation with some colleagues of mine throughout the industry to bring some best practices to us and to our residents and to the community. So that's that's pretty exciting right now for us. We've gone through master plan, we've you know, built out our campus, and now we're really refining some of the programs and services and adding layers uh, to the type of services we can provide so that people can age successfully no matter what part of the, the community they're in. So that's been exciting. And also working with our board on our strategic planning. Uh, we're poised to begin a new one and I think you know, helping our board stretch a little bit in terms of its goals, really define what those goals are, um, will be really impactful for us. Um, and then just being part of the greater community and a consortium of other leaders in the industry um, and harnessing the strengths together to, you know, meet the needs of, of elders in our greater community um, is pretty exciting. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful things. Thank you for sharing those. Uh, well, yeah. For those who are listening, uh, Tom, in terms of LinkedIn or, or Twitter, if people are, if there's something you've shared, whether they're from a similar sector or there's something you've shared that's really uh, been meaningful to someone and they, and they want to um, connect with you online, is there anywhere online people can find you? Um, I am on LinkedIn most often uh, under Dr. Tom Wright and uh, folks can connect with me there. Uh, that's the primary method of which I, I connect on social media and that's a source of uh, leadership inspiration for me as well. So LinkedIn is, is the best way to find me. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you so much to, uh, firstly, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. I, I think you would have loved today's episode. There's just been so much uh, that uh, Dr. Tom Wright has shared that's really, uh, as always, I just find these conversations really challenging in the best way. They get my get my mind uh, sort of spinning um, in, in a good way and thinking about things around leadership. Uh, for listeners, don't forget to check out the John O'White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day, where I ask you a different question every day uh, just to put a stone in your shoe and help you grow in your leadership. There are a couple of podcasts you can check out. But to finish today, I just want to say a massive thank you uh, to Tom and, and thank you so much for being so generous with your time and for uh, sharing some of your stories. And it's been a real highlight for me and, and I feel like I'm going to walk away from this just uh just coming back aligned back to why we do what we do, why, you know, leading from that place of servant leadership and, and some of the things you've said of you've just articulated it really well and, and some of the really profound depths of what makes great leadership. So thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, Tom. Oh, Jono, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. 
We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. 
And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.